Clayton. John Clayton. Time to talk some football with the professor, John Clayton, as we do every day at this time with Wyman and Bob. If you guys have questions for John, you know what to do. Text those questions into 206-421-3776. That's 421 ESPN. We'll try to get some of your questions before we let them go for the day. Hello, John. Hi, guys. So where are you at now? Now we're we're the final oh. final conversation before the big game on Sunday night. Where's your confidence level one to ten in a Seahawks victory? Mm. Uh oh, uh oh. Sounds it's like it's taking was, too long. John. Sounds like it went down from wherever it was before. Uh, three or four. Yeah. So it's gone down. It's gone down. Well, how can it not? I mean, it's like obviously you knew Russell Wilson wasn't going to play, right? But now we find out he's going to go on injured reserve, and so he's out until the Green Bay game. Then we find out that Chris Carson is not going to be able to play, and he very well could go on the injured reserve list because of his neck issue. Cedric Aboye has bicep injury, and so now your swing backup tackle is going to be out. So if anything happens to Dwayne Brown or Brandon Shell, I mean, now you're in big trouble there. So you take all that into account, it's not good. Yeah, and going on a road on the yeah. road, and you and look not. Numbers wise, a great defense, but uh, maybe one of the most talented defenses. Mm-hmm. If you look at the talent, John, the <laughs> talent's uh, there. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think around the NFL because I've said this many times this week. You, you go on most rosters, and there's like three or four guys that really stand out that are mm-hmm. like Pro Bowl players, but I feel like they have like four or five, you know, and they don't have Stephon Tuitt. And that's a huge loss. But, yeah, it just feels like talent-wise they have. Well, I, and I'll tell you what. I, I actually dug into uh, making some phone calls today what the problem is. And it's multiple because, obviously, not only did they lose Steven to it, but they lost Tyson Alu, who was another starter on the 3-4 defensive line. Mm-hmm. So now you got two of your three starters out on the 3-4 defensive line. Okay? you got T.J. Ward. Well, T.J. Ward's had a leg injury. And so, really, as great as he is, you know, he's only had – I mean, in the last two and a half games, he's... You mean Watt? T.J. Watt? T.J. Watt, yeah. Oh, okay. T.J. Watt is like, you know, he's got, uh, you know, two two and a half games where he's not played at the the highest level. And so he's slowed down a little bit because of the leg injury, and that's been a concern. Then you have uh, Devin Bush, who's great as an inside linebacker, one of the better young inside linebackers in the league. But he's been fighting a groin injury, and he's not been able to play an entire game. Mm. And so you've got all those problems adding up. And so you know, people were saying, well, gee, how come the Steelers don't have more sacks? Well, now you can understand it <clears throat> because you know they've lost a lot of their sack ability. I mean, 7-2 had 11 sacks last year. Yeah. 11. Amazing. Okay. So now you take him out, you take Watt, and you lower him a little bit. And then you don't have Devin Bush as much. And so that takes it off to a point right now where here they are five games into the season and they only have 10 sacks. Yeah. Only have 10 sacks. Which is unusual for them. And yeah. it, it's like middle of the road. I think mm-hmm. the best team has 18. But yeah, usually they're up at the very top. Yeah. And of course, yeah. I mean, with the 10 sacks, five of them with, with what? Yeah. And so it's like they've only had five sacks. And here's the weird one. If you talk about the turnover battle and how important that is, they've only created four turnovers this year, two fumbles and two interceptions. They've Mm. offensively given up six, so they're actually losing the turnover ratio, but they've only created four turnovers. And here's an even worse stat, 
is that they have been outscored uh, with their defense and the turnovers 27 to zero. Wow. Well, and, you know, like we, we talked to Brooke Pryor, who's a beat reporter there for ESPN. Mm-hmm. I asked her, John, you know, who, who do you think is the, the most underrated? And he said, she said, uh, Cam Hayward. And, you know, we, we talked about that matchup. The, the Hawks' interior offensive line, they've been kind of hit and miss. I mean, Bob and I were commenting that it's not a, very often that you see guys getting blown off the ball mm-hmm. a little bit. And, boy, if you look at Cam Hayward – he is a beast. I mean, if they had to it, I would I would definitely be worried. But this guy is, is really hard to move. And I, I think, you know, we look at that matchup, Hawks interior offensive line versus Cam Hayward. I think mm-hmm. i got to go with Hayward. You yeah. agree? Or? I agree. I mean, again, to it's better. But, again, it's like <clears throat> Hayward's good. He's starting to wear down a little bit because he's a little bit uh, older and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, of course, I mean, he's Ironhead's son, so it's like he's kind of interesting. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, Ironhead Hayward's son. I remember I hit that dude one time with pretty much everything I had, and he didn't even move. Mm-hmm. Ironhead. Was he when he, was he passed away, did he? Yeah, yeah. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, of course, I mean, the weird. I still <clears throat> remember the weird stories involving Ironhead because, I mean, you talk about such a character. I mean, he was in college. They ask him, What's your favorite local paper? And he said, USA Today. Local oh. paper. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I still remember uh, when he was having a local paper delivered to his house, he didn't like the way that the uh, delivery boy ended up you know, throwing the paper, so he beat him up. Oh, boy. Yeah. Up the, oh, well, that's, that's, that seems a little mean. extreme. Yeah, yeah, it's, no, it does, yeah. That's yeah, a little far. Well, he, was, he wanted to return to delivery. Ah, uh huh. Yeah, uh-huh. turn yeah. to sender. Hey, yeah. so in, in that article, I sent that article to, to Dave and Mike last night, and it was from Yahoo Sports, and it just six you know matchups or something mm-hmm. in the, that are key in this game, and one of them I thought was interesting. They took a different angle on this, but they were saying Jamal Adams versus Pete Carroll, and then they go on to explain, well, you know, hey, they've used him in in the blitz less than half of what he was doing the previous season when he was really impactful and nine and a half sacks in just twelve games, and they said, you know. Yeah, it, it falls on Norton, but ultimately it ends with Pete Carroll. Do you, do you think we see a change in how they're using him? Because he was clearly an impact player last year. Whether you love him or hate him, yeah, love yeah. the contract, hate it, he was an impact player last year. End of story. This year, not so much, but he's also being used in a, in a pretty pretty uh, different way. Could you see them bouncing back to the way they used him before? Well, if they go more dime than they do uh, nickel, then I can see that happening. Because, again, at least – you can get Ryan Neal on the field as you know one of the uh, extra defensive backs, and then just free up Jamal to do whatever he needs. Because at least now you have one guy back there that can help out in some of the coverage, and so then I mean you can have Jamal chase people and do those different things. I mean you'd have to think. I mean the way things are going, I mean things have to change. I mean they let Trey Flowers go, and he immediately got claimed by the Cincinnati Bengals, and so it's like okay, and so it's like uh, you know we'll see if there's going to be any changes or adjustments in the secondary and all that stuff. But I'd have to think right now what you got to think about. Even though again they lose Juju Smith-Schuster for the season with a shoulder injury. You know, they still do some different things. But here's the other interesting about, thing about Pittsburgh, because I spent a lot of time working on Pittsburgh today. Uh, Ben's not comfortable in this offense. And here's the reason, is because his success, so much of his career, was being able to go no huddle, call audibles, and just use the entire playbook at his disposal to do what he wanted to do. Well, Matt Canada has come in there as the offensive coordinator, and what he's done is basically said, no, 
you have to run a regimented type of offense, and this is the offense that you're going to run. I remember Todd Haley doing that years ago with Ben, and Ben didn't like that. But again, it's like, you know, Ben's not in a position to complain because this most likely is going to be his last year. So he's going to make the best of the situation. And he certainly did against the Denver Broncos. But uh, he's not been getting the ball downfield. Like, for example, in three of his first five games, he's averaged less than six yards an attempt. And that's as bad as you can get. I mean, that's that's at the rookie level right now for that. Now he was able to you know open the game up against a great Denver secondary and get 23 and 50 yard completions that worked out well uh, so we'll see what kind of offensive changes that if they do make changes if they make but Ben's not comfortable in this yeah but at least they've got Najee Harris there yeah. who can do some damage and as we were looking at the numbers today there's only one team worse against the run in the entire league and that's the San Diego Chargers mm-hmm. I mean the, the Seahawks are terrible against the run Oh, yeah, no so, doubt. So that could take a lot of pressure off of Ben throwing the ball if he is hurt, if he is limited or just doesn't like the offense, hand it off to Harris. The question is, are they going to run the ball? Because, I mean, when you look at the first five games, they've only had 101 running attempts. That's just a little over 20 a game, and they're averaging like 3.6. And as great as Harris has been, <clears throat> his run average hasn't been great. I mean, he's great, but the run average hasn't been great. But they're not running the football. I would say that would be coaching malpractice if they didn't run the ball. <laughs> Coming in, looking, I'm sure they're well aware of what Seattle yeah. does and doesn't yeah. do well. So Yeah. Well, particularly, what, they give up 145 yards a game? Yep. Yeah. John, how come you didn't correct Bob? And you, you always correct me. What did I say? San Diego Chargers. Hey, come on, Bob. Did I bring up the Chargers? <laughs> you said San Diego Chargers. Yeah, oh, did I say, worst. well, because they were yeah, the worst. Yeah, because you yeah. said they were the worst uh, run-stopping team. Which is where they're... they're they're a great team to watch, but yeah, they're allowing 154 yeah. yards a game, something like that. You know why? That's with Brandon Staley as the coach. Yeah, that's well, that's the thing I thought was weird because you know the rest of his numbers are kind of middle of the road. But I was going to say you said that because they're the San Diego Chargers. They'll always I don't be care there. what anybody says. <laughs> By the way, John, you were talking about uh, Todd Haley, and mm-hmm. I'm not remember him. I mean, he was their offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh from 2012 to 17. His current job. Riverview High School offensive coordinator. Yeah, but all, maybe got a kid. Did you decide to just? I, I mean, you probably. I haven't followed him. No, a chance. Just a chance to coach, and he's also doing serious radio because he'll be. Oh, on, gotcha. He'll be on serious tomorrow. It was Zig Fracassi, uh, you know, right after moving to Chains. So I mean, he's doing that, and it's like, how do I know Todd Haley? Hmm. I go back as far with him when he was a ball boy. Oh, really? Where yeah. at? Steelers. He was the Steelers. Well, I mean, Dick Dick Haley was running the personnel office. Yeah. And it's his father. And, uh, uh, you know, Todd was certainly wanted to get on the Steelers thing. And you start out, I mean, you work as, you know, uh, cleaning up things. And then you get the ball boy. And then you work your way through the way. <laughs> so it's like, uh, and so I know him real well. Because, again, I go back to him when he was, what, like 12, 13 years old. Oh, that's that's interesting. Hey, uh, another in the, the article Bob sent, the, the matchups. How about this one? Uh, Tyler Lockett versus Minka Fitzpatrick. I feel like we were talking about Locke and how good he is mm-hmm. and how smooth he is of a route runner. Who would you take in that head-to-head matchup? 
Well, and a matchup like that, I think you would lean toward Lockett because, again, it's not like you're going to have uh, Mika covering a man-to-man as much. I mean, you're going to have Joe Hayden or you're going to have uh, Cam Sutton or one of those guys, you know, do the man matchups, and he's going to be, you know, back there hoping to cause problems, inter- interceptions or hits or things like that. I mean, he's a, he's one of the best in football. There's no doubt about that. But how much is he going to be in total coverage against a receiver like Lockett who can, you know, cross the middle of the field, break things down left side, right side to uh, for deep passes and all that stuff. I mean, so, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, if it's going to be Lockett versus Fitz, I mean, the matchups are going to be so small, you would lean toward Lockett. Four two one three seven seven six four two one ESPN is the text number if you've got questions for John. It's powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Uh, John, what what did you make of the uh, the trade that the Eagles and Cardinals pulled off? Zach Ertz heads to the uh, Arizona Cardinals, mm-hmm. and he was really. I was just looking at a video during the break. He's very emotional uh, upon hearing that news. So, what what do you think? It was a good deal for the Cardinals. I mean, it seems like they're stacking up talent. Yeah. I think it was a great deal for the Cardinals because now you get, you know, still a very good tight end. And if you watched him on Thursday night, I mean, he made some really good catches and was doing a good thing for the Eagles until they traded him. And to get him for a player and a fifth round pick next year, I think that's a steal. And so it's like, and that again, that's so typical of the NFC West. They make deals more so than any other division in football. I mean, you see it with Seattle, Jamal Adams, and uh, Quandre Diggs, and you know Carlos Dunlap. I mean, you see it in San Francisco with Trent Williams. I mean, you see it with the Cardinals, with on- Andre Hopkins, and the moves that they've made. I mean, getting, you know, certainly Hudson, center from the uh, Raiders. I mean, it's remarkable to see how this division, you know, tries to, you know, get as much talent as they possibly can. And with the market the way that it is, where you can get players cheap, I think it's a great deal for the Cardinals, particularly after losing Max Williams for the season, their starting tight end. Yeah. Hey, you, well, you brought up last night's game, and Dave and I were talking about that play, the per, the uh, taunting penalty yeah, that was awful. called in that. that. I get the letter of the law. I understand you're not supposed to do what the guy did. He didn't say anything. He didn't mm-hmm. shove him. He just stood there and you know gave him a mean mug and whatever. I get it's the rule, but does it have to be called? Do they? Does it have to be that strict? It felt like, especially at that point of the game, it mm-hmm. was such a punitive penalty. It really hurt uh, the Eagles' chances. And yes, the player shouldn't do it. Should turn his back, walk away. But it's an emotional game, and he didn't yell anything. Didn't say anything. Didn't shove anybody. It seemed like they could have held on to the flag there. Yeah, it wasn't as bad as the uh, the Giants' check swing that was called a strike. Yeah, we were no. just talking about that. I too. mean, it, was, that like, was it, wasn't, it wasn't as bad as that. Well, in both situations, John, it's late in the game. Yeah. Like, you should stay out of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think most officials, umpires, do that, but they sure did not. That I, I don't know. I would think league-wide in the NFL anyways that, you know, be like, hey, come on. Let's let's not decide a game because yeah, that that went a long way to extending that drive. No doubt, obviously. Yeah, because again, what you're looking at, and again, I mean, this is the poor thinking of the competition committee. I mean, first off, you put this rule in, and you have so many close calls that probably should never be a called, and you get them. And of course, the other worst part is a 15 yard penalty. Yeah. I mean, you do hardly nothing, and you get the same as if you have uh, you know a personal foul. It's like it's that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, because again, you know, fifteen yard. If you if you get a fifteen yard penalty and you're the offense and you get the benefit of that, you know, it gives you so much of a better chance to get a score, a field goal, or a touchdown. 
I mean, it enhances your chances so much. It's kind of like, you know, Tony Dungy, when he would talk about, you know, when you get a big sack, you know, that limits your chances and you're not going to score on that neck, on that possession. But again, if you get a 15-yard penalty for taunting, look how that helps everything out. You know, John, I'm looking at some of the matchups here. Uh, I know the worst one, the AFC South. El Stinko, my God. They're 5-15 and 15 collectively. Texans at oh. Colts. Oh. How about we just don't watch it? Maybe it ends in a tie. Well, I mean, it should be the Colts because, again, the Colts have a better team even though they're 1-4. and four. They're at home. And they're at home, and you got Carson Wentz at quarterback. Uh, you, know, you still don't have Quentin Nelson and all that stuff. But what do you, what do you have with Houston? Nothing. Yeah. I mean, you know, Laramie Tunsil's now going to be out about a month with an injury. What do they have on the offensive line? You know, they got Davis Mills from Stanford, for God's sake. Hey, and, hey, 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 hey. So as uh, as the quarterback, and uh, you know, it's like uh, they're they're just, they're just overmatched. And yeah. certainly Frank Reich going up against uh, David Colley. I mean, I think you would certainly favor Frank Reich, particularly going against this Houston defense, which is really very good. Yeah, I would think there's an, an urgency there in Indianapolis to win that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chargers at Ravens, pretty good one, but yeah. it, they're both 4-1 and one teams. But you know what? I like the Cardinals at Browns. Now, Cardinals 5-0, and only undefeated team, and then the Browns are 3-2. and two. I feel mm-hmm. like the Browns have a chance to pick them off there. They do, yeah, because, again, it's like depends on how Baker Mayfield is with the shoulder, where that defense is. Certainly they took a hit on the offensive line with Hubbard going on the injured reserve list. But, uh, you know, they're uh, – but, but also, I mean, here's a big one that they lost, even though they have Kareem Hunt. They're not going to have Nick Chubb. Oh, that's right. I saw Nick, that Nick today. Chubb's going to miss the game. And I, I mean, you're taking away one of the best backs in football, and he's not going to be able to play. So that is a big blow to them. I was seeing that uh, McCaffrey is going to be out again. Mm-hmm. Boy, every every week, every game that that I mean, he's a heck of a player. You know who he is when he's yeah, healthy. Yeah. But man, that contract just seems to be more and more punitive now. Doesn't Ever it? since he he signed that deal, mm-hmm. it's been nothing but injuries for him. Yeah, I mean, he's been the face of the franchise, but we haven't seen the face because he's hurt so much. I mean, now you know he's you know highest-paid running back in football, making what sixteen plus million dollars a year, and you know he hardly plays, and so it's a, it's a shame because you know he's so good running, catching, doing all those different things. But now, if you can't play, you can't help, and that doesn't certainly holds them back because I mean you think about the fact that I mean here's a Carolina team that's three and two. You would have to think if he was able to play some of these games, they'd be four and one. Hey John, what do you make of the Dolphins? Another, you know, bad matchup that's going on. Zero and five Jaguars hosting the one and four Dolphins. You know, we we're talking about Brian Flores. Looked like he one of the guys coming out of the the Bill Belichick mm-hmm. coaching tree. That he had this his team ten and six last year, and they missed the playoffs, but pretty good record. But yeah. what's going on in Miami other than it's just quarterback situation or? Well, I mean, two is going to come back this week, but I think it's more than that because I think, you know, number one, I think you have to question a lot of things, including Brian Flores, because I think you have to question Chris Greer because, I mean, look at all the players he's given away, you know, whether it's going to be uh, Chris Landry, the wide receiver, I mean, you know, Will Fuller they gave up on. I mean, they gave up on a lot of wide receivers, and, you know, they seem to make trades and get rid of – I mean, like, for example, they, they make signings in free agency and – uh, move on from him after a year. I mean, they signed Cal Van Noy to big numbers, and uh, they ended up moving on from that one, and now he's up in New England. It's like, what are you doing? 
And then, of course, you know, the fact that you know this game's going to be in London, which, of course, it does kind of fit the profile of what they want the NFL for the London games. Take your worst teams and put them over there. <laughs> yeah, because, again, I think, what is it? I mean, I can't tell you the number of matchups that they've had, and you've never had two winning teams on the same field uh, when they played over in London. So, of course, I mean, it's 6.30 in the morning when we all get up and start to watch this one, which, of course, I know Dave and Bob are going to do. Right, right, Dave and Bob? Oh, yeah, I love it. I'm always up, you know, when the when the rooster crows. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So it's like that's at 6.30 on, uh, on Sunday. But, again, you know, what's going to be interesting is that th- this is going to be a decision time on what happens with the Urban Meyer because what happens is you're looking at, you know, if he's going to be you know, now getting his sixth straight loss and they're in a bye week. If you're making a coaching change, you want to make it during the bye week. And so it's like, uh, you know, is he going to make it to the Seattle game? Well, the interesting thing, John, will be is to see if he stays behind for a little vacation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Doesn't come home with the team and stays in jolly old London. Yeah, goes goes over to a casino and starts betting and doing all those different (laughs) things. Uh, John, the 206, asking, uh, John, how come the Hawks lost interest in Geno Atkins? I thought there was mutual interest at one point. Uh, I think, you know, uh, in, in, you know getting Robert Candici kind of stopped at having Brian Monet. I think that, you know, they kind of felt that they were good enough because, again, if you bring in Atkins, then, you know, one of the guys have to go in the defensive line, and you have to look at the guys who off and on have been inactive. And so, you know, that means that, you know, maybe they would have had to trade L.J. Collier or something like that. But I think what it came down to is they, they like Robert Candici because he's been able to do some good stuff, and uh, that that's helped out. So that, I think, is one of the reasons why they haven't brought in Geno Atkins. Because, again, like anything else, uh, it's nice to get younger, uh, particularly on a team like this, because if this season slips away, I mean, older veterans aren't going to be with this team. I don't know how many, but again, you want to stay as young as you possibly can. John, I think it was you yesterday that we were talking about the Washington football team. Yeah. The defense not being quite what it used to be. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and so, but if they're able to, you know, have a little bounce back, Kansas City, Mm. going into the Washington football team, yeah, I mean, they could be two and four. I know. It's, it's, I, I, well, and then then on top, they find out today that Chris Jones won't be able to play again this week, <clears throat> their best wow. defensive player. And then you know they have hardly gotten anything, you know, this year, uh, you know, out of the former Seahawk defensive end who Frank, you know, Frank, yeah. you know, Frank Clark. And so it's like uh, that hasn't worked out. So there's a lot of things working against them. But, hey, right now it's a matter Patrick Mahomes don't throw interceptions. I mean, what is it now, 14 games, 13 interceptions dating back to last year? That oh, has yeah. to stop. Yeah, I think it's five this year. Five this year, yeah. 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 Uh, very unlike him. Anyway, that's my upset of the week. Not Washington? I, I, I don't have an upset of the week. Oh, okay. I don't really have one. <laughs> Just this week, though. Okay. Are you going to start that segment now? Is you going to pick one every week? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> upset of the week, John. You want you in on this? No. Yeah. I, By the I, way, Mahomes has six this year. Six, six. this year, yeah. It's yeah. Like, no, I'm, I'm, remember, John, I, I, I prefer not to make too many predictions. You don't like predictions. I do not. Well, no, because, again, it's like it's against my nature. It's like I don't bet or anything like that. Never will, never have. And, uh, you know, it's like, you know, just let me, let me just see who the teams are. I mean, I'll have my opinions and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, make a prediction. I, man, not to, not right. big on it. In your opinion... Who wins this game, John? Kansas City. They're 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 the better team. I mean, again, I mean, you you have uh, you know Patrick Mahomes 
who arguably is not having a great year, but he's still the, one of the, if not the most talented quarterback in football, going against Taylor Heineke, who certainly, as a beer, is a, a very good beer. Oh, John. Oh, he's not yeah. bad. He's not. Oh, John. He's, I know. He's played a I mean, he, let's better. put it this way. He's not like a Coors Light. There's no question about that. But, of course, I mean, it's it's Heineke the beer. And then how about the, how about the fact that, and he was even complaining about this, which I thought was great, to be honest with you. I thought that I, I warmed up even more to Taylor Heineke. He says, I can't even get a sponsor from Heineke. <laughs> or Heineken, whatever. Or Heineken. Uh, uh, and on the end. John, you doing your show tomorrow? Yeah, 8 to 11, taking your phone calls. All right. Professor on tomorrow. Give him a call. He'll be back with us on Monday. Have a great weekend, John. Okay, thanks. Thanks, John. There you go. If you missed any of today's cold hard facts, brought to you by Coors Light, made to chill, download the podcast at 710sports.com. Which is easier to overcome, a bad offense or a bad defense? We'll take a look at that next with Wyman and Bob on 710 ESPN Seattle.